Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Hey, this is Pastor Nathan, and before we jump into today's podcast, I wanted to let you know that Humanity Church is looking for a new home, specifically for our Sunday morning gatherings. And so we as a community, we've been given 90 days to vacate our current property, and our last Sunday at the Castle at 360 West 3rd Street will be October 1st, 2021. And we currently really don't know where we're headed, but we do know that God is up to something really big. So we're taking 21 days to pray and fast as a community, and we're going to invite you to do the same along with us. Fasting is simply giving up something that we want and need and replacing that time and allowing those urges to remind us to pray. And so we're going to be praying specifically for breakthrough in our own spiritual journeys, but also that God would provide miraculously a home for our community. We believe that God is doing something incredible in and through Humanity Church, and we know that he wants to continue doing that. We just don't know where right now. So would you join us in praying and fasting? I'm also going to invite you that if you are joining us in this season of prayer and fasting, to let us know. You can go on the Humanity Church app and click on prayer, and from there you can just let us know what you're fasting from, what you're fasting for, and anything else you want to let us know as a team. We're so excited for what God has been doing, is doing, and is going to continue doing through Humanity Church. So hey, here's this week's talk. Father, thank you so much for today, for the gift of this moment. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would move in us, that you would move our hearts, God, that you would give us clear eyes to see the future that you have for us, God, and the the big, beautiful things that are in front of us. God, I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides And you are the God who is constantly providing in every moment, in every situation, in every circumstance. And so, God, I ask that you would open our eyes to provision, that you would open our eyes to the future, that you would open our eyes to the miracle that's right in front of us, God. May we never believe the lie that the resource isn't there, God. But may we know that you are present here with us in every moment, speaking, breathing, abundance into all that we are and into the world around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to take our community on a little journey this morning. I know there's a lot of you here in person. There's a ton of you online this morning. Um, And so here's the thing. I know that whenever a church says, hey, we're making a big announcement, uh, usually everyone goes to worst case scenario, right? And uh, I've gotten tons of text messages over the last few days, uh, people coming up to me this morning like, is everything okay? Uh, I'll I'll just dispel any myths right off the bat. I'm not going anywhere. No one's had a moral failure. Uh, <laughs> no one's going to prison and nothing illegal has happened, all right? So we can just get the biggies off the table <laughs> for just a minute so you don't have to hold your breath through this gathering waiting for some type of shoe to drop. But I do want to talk to us about where we're at and where we're headed as a community. You know, our our community has such a unique assignment on it. 
And what I, I, what I mean by that is that there is a uniqueness to humanity church that I believe God has called us into that is distinct from a lot of other faith communities. And that's actually one of the things that we hear when people connect to us. They say, I, I'm not really about church, but this seems like a place where I can be at. Or I've tried other places, and this seems like a place where uh, God makes sense. And so there's a unique calling on our movement and our ministry here at Humanity Church. And th- there are days, I'll be honest, sometimes where I'm like, can we just be like a normal church, right? <laughs> can we just like, I don't know, have a building fund and raise money for the kids' playground or do something? You know, I'm like, but no, we, we are called with a unique focus. And that focus is how do we connect to people who have not yet yet connected to Jesus? And then how do we create spaces where his power and presence shows up in a way that transforms lives and hearts? That's really our sole focus and what we've been about. And really, it's been a focus for the last 11 years as a community. If those of you have been with us since then, you'll remember 11 years ago, we left a 60,000 square foot warehouse property in Pomona, in Chino, and then we moved here to Pomona, and we ended up at the Fox Theater. And if you remember that season, we thought, there's no way we could ever get into the Fox Theater. And after like a 30-minute meeting, we were in the Fox Theater. And uh, we, we were there for many, many years, and we picked up some amazing people along the way. We made friends with the house manager. And now Maria Tarazi is an integral part of our community here. And, and we saw so much growth take place during that season. And then, of course, if you remember the journey, we, we moved from the Fox Theater one summer into the Da Center for the Arts because the Fox had some stuff going on during the summer. And so we crammed into this little art gallery right across the street over here. And we were there for a summer, and that was enough. And that's when we decided, hey, I think the Glass House is going to be a good move for us. And so we found ourselves at the Glass House and enjoying about four years there and seeing our community expand. And hundreds of people came to know Jesus as a result of us being in that space there. And I'll never forget May 23rd, 2019, when I was driving down the street and I passed this building and God said, hey, uh, go in there and talk to the owners. And I was like, God, I'm busy. I'm going to a conference and uh, I don't have time for this. He says, pull over your car and go talk to the owners. And long story short, I pull over my car. I go talk to the owners. And within 10 minutes, they say, hey, when can you move in here? And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, but I guess that's what we're doing. And we had our first gathering in here on August 18th, 2019. How many of you were here for our very first gathering in here? It was, it was just incredible to go from a space where we were kind of nomads to having a, a full-time space here. And then it was crazy because I, as a leader, have always resisted live streaming. I thought, you know what, when we live stream, everyone's going to stay home in their pajamas and not really choose to come, which, let's be honest, those of you online, right? But... <laughs> But, but I thought, you know, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's not do it. We've thought about it for a long time. And then something happened in November of 2019 where I felt like God said, we are supposed to start live streaming. And I'm like, okay, God. So we bought cameras and we started live streaming. And I'm like, why are we doing this? And we had a five or six people online with us and, and it was fine. And then in November, Leslie and I, who are operations pastor, were talking, and, and I was like, I think that we're supposed to start online community groups. I feel like that's like our next innovation that we're supposed to start up to. And so some of our elders who are tech gurus started researching what it would look like to get online community groups up and running. And so in February of 2020, we launched our first prototype online community group. And then this thing happened in March of 2020 called a pandemic, right? <laughs> How do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> and it was amazing because at that moment when a pandemic hit, 
Not only did we have a permanent location, we had live streaming up and running, and we had online groups already set up, which was incredible. And God's provision has been all over this. He has been so faithful to us over the last two years where churches have really scrambled and struggled to even to stay alive, to keep their breath, that we have been set up for such a time as this. And it has been so beautiful. Now, now all of those can seem like really, really big, beautiful miracles that God provided ahead of time, foresight before we even knew what was headed. But let me tell you, when I think about what God does, those are actually really small and insignificant in terms of the miraculous that he has done here at Humanity Church. Because some of the things that you may not get to see unless you're in a humanity group or unless you're on a ministry team is that really the miraculous that has taken place is that so many lives have been transformed as a result of being in this community. That there are literal marriages that were on the brink of signing divorce papers that are now thriving because God intervened in their lives as a result of being in community here. That, that, that people came in and found healing and restoration, that people connected to our Celebrate Life groups and found freedom from addictions and hurts and habits and hangups. And there's been all kinds of amazing things that have taken place. Community has been engaged. People have found freedom. Life has been brought into places where it was never going to be. And holiness became the norm for so many people in our community here in this space. And let me tell you, those are much harder to come by because you can chalk up all the rest of it to like decent leadership and having the right people in the right places, knowing the right people, but you can't chalk up transformed lives to just good leadership. You can't, trans, you can't chalk up transformed marriages to just good leadership. You can't chalk up people being released from addiction to just good leadership. That is only the power and the presence of Jesus showing up in a powerful way, tangible way, here and now. And we've seen that over and over and over and over again. It's, seen, it's like a regular occurring thing here at Humanity Church, which I will take that over anything, any day. <laughs> that is what God does. That is what God moves. And I will say, it's, it's, it's fun to be in the big miracle seasons, isn't it, right? Have you had those moments where it seems like everything's going well? Like, it seems like God's moving, and, and things are on the up and up, and everything's exactly the way that it's supposed to be. They're fun to lead in those moments. They're fun to be in those moments. It's fun to play in those moments. Because here's the thing, it's like riding a wave, you're not doing much, but you're like, this is awesome, and you feel good about yourself, right? You're like, man, we're on top of the world. Things are moving, and it feels easy and effortless, and it doesn't require much of me. And in, in fact, it doesn't even require trust. It really just requires faithfulness in those moments. It just requires me being faithful to what God's already up to and what God's already doing. Now, now the danger of those moments is that it's easy to assume that... God is with you in those seasons, and then when that season closes or comes to an end, that God isn't with you. And that's the danger of that. To assume that, that God is with you in the mountains, but that when the valleys come, that he's not really interested in being a part of your life, or that he's left you, or that you've done something wrong, or that his favor is now not upon you. It's easy to get confused by the circumstances that you find yourself in life. Because here's the thing, your character and your faith is actually built in the valleys. 
It's built in the seasons where things are tough, where, where, where things are hard, where, where you're up against it. They're built in the moments of absolute reliance upon him. Those moments where, where you're looking at and you're going, God, we cannot move unless you move in these moments. See, in other words, it's easy for you to assume that God's with you in the good times. And it's equally easy to assume that God isn't with you in hard times. And that becomes the danger of basing your faith on circumstances that you find yourself in. We had a family meeting a few weeks ago, and I let you know that we were prepping to sign a three-year lease here on this facility. We were all excited about what God was about to do and the things that were in front of us. And that Monday, instead of waking up to an email saying, hey, here's the three-year lease, I woke up to an email saying that the owner's wife had been diagnosed with cancer and that he had sold this property and that we have 90 days to vacate. And so our last day here in this building will be October 1st. Now, deep breath, folks. <laughs> now, I will say, you can imagine how much of a blow this was to me and our team. Waking up in this, like, man, God is moving and everything's happening and the waves riding and we're riding that thing. And then to wake up and feel like, oh, and it crashed. And not just because of a building, to be honest. I mean, we're survivors. We're going to make it through. Some of you have made it through way worse than this, right? So there's no doubt in my mind that, that there's a future coming for us. Really, the crash was the huge weight of leading through this season, of leading through the last 18 months of a pandemic, of a nation that feels like it's falling apart, of racial injustice, of, of people being torn apart over political ideologies, of the church being torn apart over political ideologies, and feeling like us as a team are having to pull opposites together and believing that God's going to do something miraculous, and then coming to the end of this season and feeling like, oh, finally we get a moment of rest, finally we get a breath, and then finding ourselves going, oh, this is, this is how it ends up. This is the end of it. Like I said, it's easy in those moments to assume that we must have lost the favor of God or we must have lost the momentum that God has for us. And this is true even for your pastor. That it's easy for me to look out and go, God, where are you in this? This is not the ending that I preferred or would have even longed for. But here we find ourselves in this space. And there's been sleepless nights. And there's been a lot of therapy visits. And there's been a lot of time off with family. And there's been a lot of really good meals with friends. And there's been a lot of help from community groups. But I'm going to tell you that over the last three weeks, God has brought me to the end of trying to figure out how to lead my way out of this. God's brought me to the end of saying, all right, Nathan, you can strategize your way out of this and into something else and into this place of complete surrender with God. Colin, our youngest son, uh, many months ago, he, he was in the season where he would just go into these fits of upset and they were uncontrollable. And the only way that I could get him to calm down would be just to hold him as tight as I could while he was screaming and flailing his arms and screaming, let me go, let me go, let me go. And sometimes I would just sit there, which felt like hours, it was probably 10 minutes, but just squeezing him as tight as I could saying, no, buddy, when you calm down, when you calm down, I'm going to let you go. When you calm down, I'm going to let you go. When you calm down, I'm going to let you go, bud, I promise. And then eventually he'd catch his breath. <sighs> okay. And he'd look at me. And he'd usually smile and give me a kiss. And then I'd say, all right, now you can go. 
I feel like that's the type of season that God's had me in over the last three weeks. <laughs> of him squeezing and saying, when you come down, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> when you come down, I'm going to let you go. And so before we move to solution, which I know many of our brains automatically go there. How many of your brain has already gone there? <laughs> I actually want to share with you what I believe God's shown me over these three weeks. And a word that I believe will be very important for our community in the next few weeks as we move forward. And don't worry, we will get to solutions. <laughs> the Israelites had found themselves in a really interesting place in Genesis where the tribes had been formed of Israel and things were going well. And then here comes Joseph and he has this skirmish with his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He's accused of, of uh, rape and then he's put into prison and then in prison he finds favor and then he finds himself into Pharaoh's courts and in Pharaoh's courts he basically says, hey, there's a famine coming. And so they prep for this famine and all of Israel moves to Egypt so that they can be protected from this famine that's coming. And in Genesis 42, start, 46, starting in verse 2, it says, God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid. Go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes, which meaning he would die. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives and the carts that Pharaoh sent to transport him. They also took with them their livestock and the possessions that they had acquired in Canaan and Jacob, and all of his offspring went to Egypt, and he took with him to Egypt all of his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all of his offspring. So here the Israelites go to Egypt to essentially survive this famine that's about to take place. So they all step into this nation where they now found themselves with a land that could protect them. So they had protection from anyone that would come in and attempt to conquer them. They had food, they had water, they had all the supplies, the resources necessary to survive this specific famine season that they were heading into. Now I know Egypt gets a bad rap in the, in the Old Testament, yes? They're always seen as like the oppressor, evil Pharaoh, the slave masters. But this whole story starts out as God's provision for the Israelites. Egypt, the name Egypt actually means safe space. That Egypt was designed to be the perfect provision for the Israelites for a famine season that was in front of him. Now, here's the problem is that as the famine got worse, the Egyptians looked at the success of the Israelites and said, uh-uh. <laughs> you, you guys seem to be doing pretty well. You have a lot of money. Things are going well for you. So we need to start taxing you a little more, yeah. taking a little more from you. In fact, what we need you to do is start working our fields and start making sure that you are taking care of us. Because it seems like you are the ones who are doing better in this situation because you have the power of this God on your side. And so the Israelites quickly found themselves in a space where it was once provision now starts to become troublesome for them. And in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 22, the very end of Genesis, this is what it says. It says, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Maker, son of Manasseh, were placed, at the birth of, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. In other words, Joseph has a lot of grandkids around. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Now Joseph recognized something really critical. He recognized, hey, if my family stays here in this circumstance, they're eventually going to be enslaved. That if my family stays in this space, which was once the provision that they needed to get through a famine, if they stay here, they're going to end up in a really, really bad place because Egypt was a provision for a specific season of famine. It was miraculous provision from a good God when they had nothing in that moment. And this is where they found themselves. It was, de- it was destined to be provision, but only for a specific season for them to survive. Now, what happens is that a safe space suddenly turns into a stronghold in our lives when God has provided provision for a specific season, but that season has passed, and we're still looking to the past for the provision that God made us there. We're saying, that season has passed, and God is saying, look, this is no longer where you're supposed to be. This is no longer where you're supposed to call home. This is no longer where you're supposed to camp. And we're saying, no, 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 but that's where the provision is, God. You must have forgotten. And this is how strongholds start to develop in our lives. And you may have recognized that over the years, you've developed your own type of strongholds in your life in order to survive. I mean, many of you can probably look back on your childhood and realize that you learned skills on how to survive and make it through your family. And it was provision for that moment. That's your Egypt. Some of you may have learned to relate to money in a specific way when you didn't have a lot or you didn't know what was coming next and it was a little screwy, but at least it got you through that situation that was your Egypt. How many of you learned relational habits that eventually ended in self-sabotage or eventually ended in breakdown, but at least it allowed you to survive in that season where you didn't really know how to connect or how to relate or how to move forward? How many of you learned how to avoid specific emotions that felt overwhelming or they felt too big, and so you learned how to turn them off, and that was your Egypt. It was the provision in that moment. How many of you picked up addictions to cope with certain struggles in life, and it was your Egypt in that moment because life was overwhelming? We pick up Egypt's. We pick up safe spaces. And the great thing about Egypt's, the great thing about them is that they're great when you need to survive. They're great when you're six and you're in a dysfunctional family and you're not too sure how to make it through this. They're great when life feels so overwhelming that you can't see provision and so this is the protection that's needed to get you through it. It's great when you find yourself in breakdown and you need some relief for a moment because you don't know if you're going to be able to get to the next step. It's great for those moments. It's great when you can't see any other options in life and so you have an Egypt there, a little safe space to keep you going, provision for that moment. It's great for survival. It's a dangerous place to make home. And that's the difference between the two. See, this is why Joseph's dying command to his kids was not, hey, follow the Lord with all your heart. He wasn't, it wasn't like, make sure you have a prayer time every day. 
It wasn't make sure you remember me and love me and and all of those things. His dying command was do not let my bones stay here. Because this is not meant to be home. This place was not supposed to be a permanent location for you. But guess what? They forgot. And they did. And they made it home. And so Genesis 50 turns to Exodus 1. And the next part of the saga is now the Israelites have been enslaved for 430 years. Because they made the stronghold home. What was once a provision in a season became the very thing that enslaved them in the next chapter. Now, I want to be clear on something. What I am not saying is that church buildings are all Egypt's. (laughs) I actually hope to have a giant church building someday with an LED wall like seven times this. But I will tell you that, that behind the scenes, this building has been our Egypt. And we would have had a very hard time surviving the pandemic without this space. A very hard time. We've celebrated in here. We've, we've grown. Our church prayed, God, move us past 200. And it happened almost instantaneously here in this building. It, it served as a place of, of funerals and memorial service. Like dozens and dozens of people have been baptized here. They've come to faith. It was a television studio for a while. You didn't realize that because most of you weren't here. But it served as our our live streaming headquarters during a, a season where the state would not allow us to gather together. So it has been miraculous provision for a season. And let me just tell you, it has also been hell behind the scenes. And I'm not going to go into all of the details, but... Our team has spent a lot of time negotiating ever-changing leases and demands from landlords and ever-changing ideas and structures, all attempting to do ministry while the world feels like it's falling apart. And it has added a lot of stress to our team. In fact, it's added so much stress that over the last few months, I've had to take multiple weeks off. I've had to be in multiple therapy sessions, which is fine. (laughs) I've had to take time where I'm just like, hey, I need to be with my family this week. It has taken a toll on my own mental health, my own well-being, and I'm just going to tell you I'm tired in this season. And I know this may sound crazy to some of you, but I actually believe that this eviction is God's absolute grace on us. If you'd be willing for a moment to consider that along with me, I think you may find some resource. Because the Israelites didn't move. They didn't have to move. And so they ended up making it home. And it wasn't until 400 years later that Moses had to finally say, let my people go. 17 generations had been enslaved because they stayed in the stronghold of Egypt. Joseph's bones sat there for 430 years, all because they forgot that they weren't supposed to make that home, that it was supposed to be provision for a moment, and they were supposed to get out of there. And there is a clearly a promised land that they might have missed in the middle of all of this. See, when we make Egypt home, eventually it will always become our slave master. Always. When you make the stronghold home, it will always become our slave master. 
And it's interesting because many of you know the story of the Exodus. If you haven't rent it and watch it, right? (laughs) But as they're leaving in Exodus chapter 13, as the Israelites are packing up everything and trying to get out of there and trying to figure out where they're going, where this promised land is, they're, they're literally being released in the middle of the night to get out of slavery. It says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert towards the Red Sea, and the Israelites went up and out of Egypt armed for battle. Now Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath and he said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. It sounds crazy, right? But here 430 years later, Moses on their way out is out digging up a grave, getting Joseph's bones that are in an Egyptian coffin sitting in that ground for 17 generations. And it sounds even more crazy that then when they were set free, they didn't want to leave. In fact, God said, look, there's this simple path to this promised land, but I'm going to take you this whole way around by the Red Sea and through the desert because if you get to face the Egyptian army, you might want to turn back, and I don't know if you're up for that. See, I can imagine as God was releasing them and saying, hey, here is now the new provision that I have for you. Promised land is coming, guys. The thing that you've been asking for is coming. The future that you've been longing for is coming. They're like, well, what about our houses? This is where great, 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 great grandma lived and her doilies are still on the wall. We can't leave here, right? This is our language. This is our culture. This is our people. This is comfortable. This is easy. This is all we've ever known. This doesn't require much work of us. It's simple. Why would we want to leave here? And God had to use an alternate route because they might have turned back to the very thing that had enslaved them. See, it may sound crazy in this moment, but when God starts to remove our strongholds or he starts to move us away from our strongholds, we start to grow fearful. And we start asking questions like, well, God, how will I survive? Where will the provision come from? Where will we go? What will we do? I know this sounds crazy, but my wife will tell you, I am like the king of this. I am like the king of catastrophizing, right? And when you know the ending, when, you, when you've read Exodus, and you're like, dude, you're going to get a land full of milk and honey and locusts and stuff. Like, it's going to be awesome. It's easy to be like, why are you afraid? But when you're in it, the fear feels justified, doesn't it? Yes. When you're in it, the fear feels incredibly real. See, I am convinced that people never find their freedom, not because God is not wanting to deliver them, but because they are more committed to the comfort of Egypt than they are to the exodus into the promised land that he has for them. And we find ourselves saying, but but what about the safety that lives here? What about the safety of this? Well, what about the addiction? Because at least I know how to get my fix on there. What about the breakdown? I don't like it, but at least it's familiar, and at least it's our dance and our marriage that we have, so can we at least stay here in this? What about the illness? What about the dysfunction? What if I let go? God forbid I'm healed. Who might I be without the dysfunction and the disorder? And we find ourselves so scared and fearing the comfort that we might lose in the middle of this. And the underlying statement is, well, at least we know how to survive here. It's better than the anxiety of stepping into a place where we are called to thrive where we are called into freedom. 
See, it's the love of Egypt that blinds us to the promised land ahead of us. And after 430 years, Moses digs up the bones of Joseph lying in an Egyptian coffin. And he leaves the enslavement of Egypt heading for the promised land. Now, the interesting thing is this, that in Hebrews 11, it's, it's this passage of scripture known as the hall of faith. It's like, the, it's like the, all the biggies are in there, right? It's like, even if, you, even if you don't know church, you know these people, right? Because they were like on a Sunday afternoon special, right? Moses, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. Now, Joseph's in there too. Joseph's in, in, in the hall of fame. And you might think, why would he, like, what are, what, oh, there's so many big things that he might be in this hall of faith for. Like, like he was sold into slavery and he remained faithful to God. That might be a reason, right? Like, that's a big one. He, 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 he was accused of rape and he found himself in prison. And then he prophesied over the people that were in prison and, and he remained faithful to God. Even when he was falsely accused and in prison, you think that might be worthy of being in the hall of fame. He, he, he finds himself in front of Pharaoh having favor and saving the entire nation of Egypt and Israel because of his prophetic gifts, telling them there's a famine coming. You think that might be the reason why he's in the hall of faith, right? Uh, lots of reasons why Joseph might be in the hall of faith. You know why Joseph's in the hall of faith? It's this right here. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying blessed each of Joseph's son and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave him instructions about his bones. He was in the hall of faith because he had enough foresight to say, do not make Egypt your home. That's the only reason. There's no other extra explanation about Jacob in the middle of here. He basically is put in the hall of faith because he said, don't you dare stay here in Egypt. And don't you dare let my bones stay here because you were made to be free. And I refuse to let my bones stay enslaved in this nation and buried here. And that is why he was commended for his faith because of his eagerness to leave Egypt. And that's what catalyzed eventually the people's freedom. So here we are, here and now, July 11th, 2021, about to leave Egypt and looking forward. Now, I know that some of you in these moments, when you hear news like this, you get scared, you get worried, you get anxious. I know some of you are like super pumped up. I love you people, right? <laughs> You're like, what's God going to do next? <laughs> some of you are overwhelmed. And I just want to say, wherever you're at is Okay. Wherever you're at is totally fine with me, as long as you're honest about it. Yes. That, that's, that's what I am saying. And here's the thing. We are not following the church transition playbook on this one. Because let me tell you what I should be doing right now. Me, Leslie, Marla, our elders team, should be frantically looking for a solution. Don't worry, we are. But we should be frantically looking for a solution, and this whole situation should be kept really hush-hush. Like, no one should be talking about this. We should keep it all behind the scenes. No one should know about it. And then, once we find this grand miracle that God has provided, then we'll come to the church, and then we'll spin it like God did something huge. <laughs> and he has so much favor on me as your pastor. 
that he has bestowed upon me wisdom and grace to lead us out of here. God has done a miracle. And everyone will walk away. That was incredible. Wow. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do, right? And we, we, don't, we don't have a finalized plan right now. I will just say this. We have options available to us. So we're not like, oh, right? <laughs> um, and a couple of things is that we are in a financial place where we are strong and we'll be able to weather whatever. So if you're kind of thinking like, I don't want this church to fall apart. I don't want this to go away. That's not an option. That's not happening, all right? So just to settle some of those fears. We're also looking at how can we be smart. One of our priorities is families, and so we want to make sure that there's, like, great space for kids and that there's some place that we can be long-term so that we're not nomads forever. <laughs> See, we don't have the plan, but we do have absolute clarity on what's next for us. And when you don't have a plan, clarity is the best thing to step into. See, when you don't know the end result, where we are called to go as to what is the next thing that God has called us into and to step into that fully and passionately. In the words of Frozen, we're just going to do the next right thing, right? <laughs> That's what we're up to. And here's what I'm absolutely clear on, like crystal clear, not, and not, haven't been more clear on anything in a while, is that God is calling us into a season of holiness as a community, which means that he is going to set us apart for a season to connect to his voice and his hand and his heart. And that we together as a community will step into this season. This is going to be a time where we together seek God's heart and his hand and his face. Where we decide that where we're going as, a, as the next step as a church, both personally and corporately, I actually fully believe that this is a moment where God is going to call you individually into a season where he is going to raise the bar and take away some of your own personal Egypts. And he's going to start saying, hey, that stronghold that you've had since you were a kid, that stronghold that's been there for a while, it's time to let that go because that will not serve you. And if you're not already enslaved to it, you will be enslaved to it. See, the Israelites were eventually ready to leave Egypt. Eventually, they got with the program. See, but being ready to leave Egypt is different from being ready to enter the promised land. Those are two different things. And I believe this is a season where God has already said, whether you like it or not, you're leaving Egypt. But what I'm more interested in is getting you ready to enter into the promised land. So that you're prepped for that. So if you believe in this community... If you call this home, if you believe what God is doing here and now, this is the season where we come together. This is the, this is the season where we, where we bind together, where we come together, where we watch God do the unexpected. We get to be the beautiful recipients of a miracle if we're willing to come together to do this with one another. So I am calling us as a community, for those of you who are here and those of you who are online, into 21 days of prayer and fasting, that we would take 21 days, that this would end August 1st, and that we would take this time and we would pray and fast, both for our own lives and the new thing that God wants to do within us and for the future of our community, for Humanity Church. Now, 
If you don't know what fasting is, fasting is just a spiritual discipline where we remove something from our lives that is meaningful us, meaningful to us, or necessary to us, or a thing that, that, that we long for. So some of you may, may want to fast like a meal every day. Some of you may want to fast sugar or, God forbid, coffee. Some of you may want to fast social media for 21 days. Some of you may be like, hey, I'm giving up television for 21 days. Some of you may have some other thing in your life that you're like, this feels like, like, a, like a desire, like a need that I go to constantly. And God's like, hey, 21 days, you're going to give that up. Now, here's the thing. Fasting is not like a hunger strike. It's not like saying, all right, God, I'm going to not eat and you do you, right? Fasting is really removing that thing that, that pulls on us, that desire, that need. And in those moments, it's designed to remind us of our reliance upon God, of our reliance upon him. And so it's, if it's something like fasting from a television show or fasting from a meal, you may want to use that time specifically to pray. That, that time that you're removing from your schedule now gets used to pray, not only for your own life, but for the future of Humanity Church. If it's something that's like coffee or sugar, like an urge, like when you feel the need to go grab that, that you would pause and allow that need, that urge to pull you into prayer, to pull you into saying, God, I need a miracle in my life and the life of our community. And so this is what we're going to be up to. We're going to do this together. And I, I like firmly believe that in 21 days, we are going to see the miraculous take place. Not and I, honestly, the building is like one thing. I'm excited about what's going to happen in our community. Like, I'm like, what is going to happen? I mean, can you imagine 200 people just deciding that for 21 days, we are going to seek God's face, seek God's voice, seek God's heart, and, and what might happen in the middle of this? So I'm going to ask that we pray for personal revival, that you would spend time in confession, confessing to God all of the things that are getting in the way that, that you hold on to, the Egypts, the strongholds that have become such an integral part of your life, that you would release your personal Egypt and your idols and enter into a season of holiness, of saying, God, I want to be set apart. I want to be like you. I want to connect to your heart and what you're up to in the middle of this. And I'm going to ask that we pray for Humanity Church. Pray for clarity, that God would be like so clear with us. Like, hey, this is what's next. This is where we're going. This is what up to. That, he would, that we would pray for provision. That God would say, that God would just show us, hey, here's everything you need. Financially, building-wise, getting through red tape, whatever it may be, to step into what's next. But here's the other thing, that we would pray for expansion. That this wouldn't be a season of scarcity where we're like, oh no, we got to keep to ourselves. But that this would be like, wouldn't it be amazing if in these 90 days we just busted at the seams from this place and we're like, gosh, we got to figure out someplace way bigger than we thought, right? I believe that, that God does things like this and that he will do things like this. And together, if we dedicate ourselves to seeking the face of God and releasing heaven on earth, I believe that the Spirit of God is going to be released like we've never seen it before. I, I, I am so clear on that. Then, and here's the thing. If you're on the fringe, maybe, you're, maybe this is your first time today. I am sorry, right? You just got like in an in-house family meeting. But here's the thing is that if you're on the fringe, this is the time to get on board. I'm just telling you. This is going to be an exciting season for humanity. If, if you're one of those people, I'm going to talk to you online people for a minute. If you're one of those people who you're like, the only reason I'm online is because pajamas and coffee at home is more comfortable, I'm going to ask you to just, hey, for a season, sacrifice and be here. Yeah. That you would join us together in person, 
If you're like, hey, I've been to Disneyland and I've been to Walmart, I can come to church, then do it, right? This is, this is the season to step into this space together. So if you're on the fringe, this is the time to step into this movement. This is a season where our mission and our vision will be fortified. This is the time that if you're a part of a humanity group to connect like you've never connected before. And if you're not a part of a humanity group, I know this is like white noise for some of you, but that this would be the season where you're like, hey, it's time. It's time. It's time to connect to community, to be in, to build our faith. In January, around the 2nd of January, I was in a prayer time and I was asking God for insight as the pandemic was, looked like it was wrapping up and things were slowing down. I just said, God, I need some insight for like where you're headed and, and what's up. And I got one word and it scared me. And the word was... Hey, the enemy is really upset with Humanity Church. Like, really upset. And if you know me, I don't talk like the devil and demons and all that stuff. But so this is when I was like, okay, this is God, clearly. (laughs) And he said, the enemy is really upset with Humanity Church because you have thrived in a season where weapons were formed against you. Like, no, like we shouldn't have survived during this pandemic. Like, we should have been at the glass house. That should have been shut down. We should have been scrambling, trying to figure things out. And... What I heard the Lord say was, hey, the enemy has like one last shot, one last thing. And it's interesting because the thing that he also said was that last, bro- that last blow is going to be your breakthrough. That last, that last hit's going to be the thing that's going to move you to the next level. And so over the last few months, little things have happened that I'm like, is that it, God? Is that like the blow? Like, that was easy, right? <laughs> or like little things, you know, little, little squirmishes in a relationship would happen and they'd get, they'd get cured, healed. And I'm like, oh, was that it? And then we experienced this. I'm like, oh, that's it, right? That's it. And we, as a, as a leadership team, I'll just tell you, have been experiencing so much warfare, as, as a leadership team. If you don't know what that term means, it just means that there's a lot of opposition coming our way. Just the other night, we were supposed to have a meeting where we were planning what we've been planning for a while called a Freedom Weekend, where we were planning a weekend where we were going to invite people to come and just find personal freedom from their own struggles, from their own mindsets, from the things that, that just weigh all of us as humans down. And the day that we were having the meeting that evening... All three of the women that were supposed to be at that meeting had their backs thrown out. Like, all of them, including my wife. Leslie, our operations pastor, woke up, was fine, and then couldn't even walk up the stairs getting upstairs. Another woman ended up in the hospital. So, there's a real battle going on right now for the heart of our community and for what's next. And there are forces that are not excited that we will win this. There are forces that are, that are not super excited that we're going to be leaving Egypt and entering into the promised land. And when you start taking new ground, I guarantee you that it will piss some enemy off. <laughs> and this is why we pray and fast. Because the weapons that we fight with are not of this world. We are demolishing strongholds. We are taking down the Egypts. That's what we're up to. And that requires spiritual work. No matter how much expertise or talent or skills you have, that's where we'll be going. And it was interesting, just last week, two weeks ago, I was in the prayer room, praying for one of the properties that we were looking at and that didn't come through, and 
And I really didn't know how to pray. I was like, God, I don't, I don't even know how to pray anymore. I feel so like, I was in that still season of God holding me and me screaming and kicking and him goes, calm down, Nathan, right? <laughs> I didn't know how to pray anymore. And I, I was praying, God, give us a building. God, give us a building. God, give us a building. And, and, and then all of a sudden, out of my mouth started coming, God, let people come to know you. God, just let your kingdom fall. God, would you, would you just release miracles over not just the people in our community, but everyone that we come across? God, would you just let people know your love and your power and your presence? And I felt like God whispered in my voice, said, oh, now you found my heart. Now you found my heart. Because let me be clear, we need a building. We need a gathering space, and that's what we're going to be praying for, but all this fasting and praying is really not for the building. This is but a slight thing. God, that, God has that. What we need is a move of God. That's what we need. That this moment is like an awakening of God saying, wake up. It is time to take new ground. It is time to invite the kingdom of God to fall on our cities, to fall into our neighborhoods, to fall into our workplaces and our homes, and specifically in our churches. I know we always pray, God, fall out there, but I believe that this is a season where God is saying, fall right here, so that it would be in the Pomona Valley as it is in heaven, because as we seek the kingdom of God and his heart, all these things will be added to us. God's like, all those things are easy. (laughs) Just seek my kingdom, and all these things will be added. This church is filled with church buildings. This city is filled with church buildings, over 400 church buildings in this city. See, what the church, what the city needs is not necessarily another church building. It needs another church filled with the power and presence of Jesus. It needs a community that recognizes that we have the miraculous power of God behind us. The church does not need another church building. It needs a church, and the church has always been people. And that's the beautiful thing about this. Here's the good news for us in closing. In Matthew, when when Jesus was talking to Peter about the church, he says this. He says, and I tell you, Peter that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, when you don't know what to do, you go back to what you know. And what we do know is that the gates of hell themselves cannot stop the movement of Jesus here at Humanity Church. That's what we know. We know that we are unstoppable because we are the church. And so there is nothing to worry about. There is nothing to be dismayed about. There's nothing to fear in the middle of this because here's the thing. We have the gates and we have the keys. And so we are coming and we are taking names and we are transforming lives. That's what we're doing. And that no power in hell itself can stop us. So I'd like for you right now, if you're with me and us, to stand just to stand for a moment. If you're like, I'm in 21 days, let's do this. See, I don't have a lot of clarity about where we're going to be October 1st. I have some thoughts, but I am crystal clear on what we're going to do next. Crystal clear. That I am absolutely clear that God is leading us out of this Egypt and into a promised land, but he is calling us to prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to seek his kingdom 
so that we are ready to enter into that promised land. So I want to pray for us right now that this would be the start, this would be a moment, this would be like a mile marker that we could look back on our community. Just like I can look back May 23rd, 2019. <laughs> I can say July 11th, 2021. That was when this outpour started because we were those who sought the face of God. And Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that your power and your presence has always been here. And that you have never stopped working. You have never stopped the miraculous. You have never stopped transforming lives and marriages and hearts, God. And it has nothing to do with a building. It has everything to do with us seeking your face and your hand and your heart, God. And so we are in a season of need, of going, all right, God, where's the miracle? Where's the provision? What's next? And God, we dedicate ourselves to you and to seeking your face and your provision and your clarity and your holiness, God. And that whatever is next, whether we meet in a shack down the streets or in a beautiful church building, God, that what we will know is that people are experiencing you and they're being transformed and the kingdom is being advanced and we can say that confidently, God, because we know that no weapon formed against us will prosper and no power in hell itself can come against us. And so I pray, God, for the next 21 days. I pray for every individual here. I pray for everyone online that is joining us, God. I pray for protection over their minds and hearts, over their homes and families and workplaces, God that as they fast and as they pray and as they seek you and as they seek your face, God, in their own lives, that you would reveal, generously reveal, God, the Egypts, the strongholds, the safe spaces that we've stayed too long in, God. And that you would, your voice would say, it's time to dig up the bones. It's time to move. And that we would be faithful. And God, I, I ask that, that we would see the miraculous in our lives, God, and that whatever is next, that you would have your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as is in heaven. God, I pray against fear and worry and doubt and concern and overwhelm and any lie that would tell us that this isn't going to turn out or, or don't get too invested or don't... Be all in until you figure out what the next answer is, God, but that, that you would show up with such clarity and confidence. God, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.